welcome to the 24-7 Sports College Football Podcast with your hosts Chip Patterson and Barton Simmons. The ultimate insider's guide from signing day to the national championship game and everything in between. CBS Sports presents the 24-7 Sports College Football Podcast. Back here on the 24-7 Sports College Football Podcast, we are uh, we, we had to expand, Barton. You know, this is this is a time where uh, we're venturing into all this new territory. We've got all this new recruiting news. Um, the you know we talked before about the the June being a big time when the offers are going out, the school camps. You've got the openings. You've got the Elite Eleven stuff. Um, you know, we've it, it it is not a problem that we are going to be able to to bring the folks two episodes this week. It's exciting. Yeah, you know, it's uh, this. This is for the recruitniks, uh, and even for the non-recruitniks, this is this is for the. Uh, you know, we're talking quarterbacks, and so we're not getting too far into the weeds. But this is, I feel like, this is important. You know, this is this is the future of of, of these college football programs. So we we got a good guest today to get some. Um, to dig into what we saw at the Elite 11 last weekend. Yeah, one of the things that I learned from our conversation with Greg Biggins, which we'll have in here in just a little bit, um, was the, the sort of the idea that these players uh, just have these highs and lows among the many days of these competitions. And it, it was interesting to me and something I did not know was, you know, how much just being able to sustain that and how much, um, you know, the perseverance through those highs and lows, that that really impacts the way that some of these coaches and some of these scouts and, and talent evaluators view these players. I mean, is, th- is there anything else maybe for the, for the uneducated listener like me who maybe not, might not fully wrap their head around what's going on at these camps? Well, I think the one big thing for me is like in the old days, like camps were just a hey, throwing at targets and, uh, and, and that's, can be pretty misleading and, and not that indicative of, of future success. But I think one thing the Elite 11 does well, and, and, and Greg touches on this a little bit, but one thing the Elite 11 really does well is they have turned that into more of a truly like, not, not a throwing competition, but a quarterbacking competition in the sense that those guys have playbooks they got to learn heading into the week. They, they need to understand defenses and and there's there are correct reads and right progressions to go through they're not just going out there and 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 seeing who can hit the most targets um and so i think you do learn a lot more about these guys than people realize in terms of their ability to process in terms of some of the intangibles at the position so i find that these events these elite 11 events specifically to be really um insightful ways of 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 digging into more than just the highlight film and more than just the arm strength and so i i I think that's why to me i value them a lot and and i value the stuff that greg saw over the weekend yeah uh well let's uh let's get right to it he is greg biggins uh he was there uh his takeaways uh from the elite 11 as 24 was narrowed down to 12 Someone who's had their finger on the pulse uh, of the recruiting beat is Greg Biggins. He joins us now. Greg, uh, speaking specifically about the quarterback class, uh, class to class, you're always going to get judged. What has been your observation, if there is one, uh, for the 2019 quarterback class? What what would their defining characteristic be? Uh, I mean, not to start to show off on a negative tone, but I think Barton, myself, and our whole crew have been pretty consistent saying it's a little bit of a down year in 2019. Mm. Don't currently have, I don't believe, 
uh, anyone in our top 50. Um, I don't know, maybe top 75. I don't think we, we may not have anyone in our top 100. <laughs> Eeks. I, I do think we have a guy now after seeing Spencer Rattler. I'm sure we'll get to that. But, uh, no, I mean, JT Daniels came out the last day, just kind of just hang out. And DJ Wooby under the lay 2020 kid from St. John Bosco was there all weekend just watching. I mean, those two guys uh, would have probably been the two best quarterbacks in this event. Obviously, JT reclassified, and DJ's got a year to go. But still some good talent. Don't want to knock them too hard. But, I mean, if I'm just being real, which I always try to be. Yeah, be real. If I'm a top 25 to 40 program, there's probably only about five or six kids I would offer, I'd offer a scholarship to right now. So hopefully some guys will rally this offseason, and we'll see them kind of step up as seniors. All right, so you've been to the Elite 11 every year pretty much, I think. And this is – so just to, just to clarify for the folks, like this is a – this is really kind of a semifinals in some ways. There's 24 quarterbacks out there. There's there's three days, um, but this group, given what we expected or what we've thought about this class, I'm curious, Greg. Like comparing it to other years of the past five or whatever, is how much of a drop off was it? Was it like, was it? Did it look like an elite event? Did it? Was it just sort of? frustrating to watch like how how bad are we talking this year i mean it, it was i mean it's an elite event obviously and i want to give you know student sports and, and nike and that group a lot of credit and obviously you know my background i was there for, for the first 15 years of, of my it being in this business with this i was a student sports guy so I was, I was there for the very very first group i think that was like brock berlin um chris ricks way back then so uh, you know what if, if you're just watching the 24 you're not seeing the depth, I think. You know, you're seeing six or seven guys, and, you know, Blair and myself, Blair Angulo, who was there with me, we tried to do a top 11 every single day, and we got to six or seven pretty easily, but there was that, you know, eight to 15 all kind of jumbled together. And I don't know if we really saw, you know, maybe one or two guys just have these just wow performances. You know, Spencer Reller was our, our number one guy on day one. On day two, he probably wasn't in our top five and had a good Sunday which was the seven-on-seven seven portion of the event. But, you know, Grand Burrs and, and Zach Calzada, we both loved the first day. Uh, they both struggled a little bit on that second day. And then I think Graham rallied a little bit. But there wasn't really that one consistent performance. And honestly, you know, last year, you know, we talked a ton about Justin Fields and Trevor Lawrence. Neither one of those guys really popped at this event. Now, they, you know, obviously Justin had probably the best yeah. performance ever at the opening finals. But at this event, Justin wasn't a guy who you, you watched and said, oh, my gosh, this is the best quarterback I've ever seen in my life. So no one really did it last year either. So maybe it's just the way the, uh, you know, the event's designed, and we'll see when these guys go to Dallas, Texas in a couple of weeks and just blow us all away. Hopefully, it's always fun to see quarterbacks you know, throw and those guys throw and compete. and Obviously, the receivers can make plays. The DBs make plays. So quarterbacks really set the whole event at the opening. So I'm hoping to see that. So – I, I, so let's get to the positive here. You you, you mentioned Spencer Rattler. Uh, I think it's a it's an interesting time to talk about him because Kyler Murray just you know was picked ninth overall in the Major League Baseball draft. He is likely headed to play professional baseball after this fall. Uh, Oklahoma's quarterback job will be open at the very least in in 2019, I would imagine. Um, is Spencer Radler the type of guy that can come in and compete for a starting job as a true freshman? Is he the type of guy that can come in and be sort of continue that 
tradition that Baker Mayfield seems to have have um, as sort of begun, I guess, at Oklahoma with with Kyler Murray with half and high expectations this year. Like, how, what can we expect from Spencer Rattler at Oklahoma based on watching him over the weekend? Yeah, I mean, physically, yeah, absolutely. And, and I'm I'm always I always caution a true freshman quarterback. It's not even the physical stuff. As you guys know, it's the mental, right? How how quickly can this guy process right. chaos? We, you know, three seconds to, that everything's going around him. That's where you see st- true freshmen struggle with just picking up the offense and the speed of the defense. And you know, can they get? To the, I mean, that's why Jake Fromm was so good. But physically, my gosh, I mean, you can't find a better fit in that Oklahoma offense. I mean, Spencer, Spencer, I keep wanting to call him Spencer, um, kind of combining Spencer and Rattler, but. At Rattler is a guy who just looks tailor-made for that offense. And I think he's, you know, he's a little bit bigger than I thought. He's probably one, and he's a real athletic body, pretty live, accurate arm. He plays a lot of basketball in the offseason. So you kind of just the way he moves around, he's just a real fluid, dynamic athlete. I love just he has a presence, a, a confidence, not a cockiness to him. I mean, obviously you, you can tell he kind of, you know, he, he's kind of a dude. He's kind of the guy that I think people kind of, watch and rally around and when he was out there competing maybe in the seven on seven portion of it or even the the pro day everyone just watches him so i think physically the guy has every single tool now will it happen right away as a true freshman i'm not sure but i guarantee you i don't guarantee much you know at, at some point he will run an offense and be extremely effective in it what do you think, because um, you mentioned Jake Fromm, and I'm glad you did because as, when you started talking about uh, the, the mental side of this and how are you going to be able to, to diagnose a defense, how are you going to be able to th- survive in the chaos of uh, playing high-level college football, uh, Jake Fromm was at this event in, what, 2016, I guess? Or the, the 2016 Elite 11. Um, was there anything that you saw there at that point in his career that suggested he was going to be someone who had that kind of it factor that would translate to being able to play at such a high level so early at Georgia? Uh, there was, actually. Uh, you know, I had pinmarked uh, Tate Martell to be a guy that would go to the uh, the opening finals and kill it because he plays so much seven-on-seven. Seven. He, he's kind of just built for that game, you know, and, and he I've never seen him lose in a seven-on-seven competition, and he played on the same team as Fromm. And Fromm was the guy who got all the reps late that last competition day because Jake was so good. He was so much better than Tate was. And, again, the game just kind of looks slow for him. And I mean that, you know, in a good way. The game just doesn't, he doesn't look overwhelmed and just uh, kind of just the way he manages the game. And I, I know quarterbacks hate that term, game manager. I don't mean that as an insult. The guy has definitely has some tools, but he just looked like he had an idea of what he was doing. That's a great natural feel for the position. And even watching the guys just, just making it more current, Watching guys this week, and I don't want to name names to throw anybody under the bus, but some guys did really well those first two days. And that last day was the seven-on-seven portion of the camp where you actually have a live defense. And the quarterbacks had no clue what the defense was. They had to go to the line of scrimmage, call the right play, make the right read, and then obviously make the throw. And some of these guys that were just ripping it on, on the first two days were clueless how to attack a defense. I mean, they were just – we saw one guy had about eight sacks in a row yeah. where he just couldn't – process he couldn't he didn't know where to throw the ball to and he ended up just either throwing it in the ground or throwing it as far as he could because that's kind of what a lot of quarterbacks feel they need to do is i'm going to show off my arm i'm going to throw the ball in a triple coverage so that that part of it of the game and it's so hard for us to always evaluate that because at these events we don't always see that but guys that that mental side that i think really puts the quarterback over the top so i want to ask you about a couple of specific guys i think one guy i'm fascinated by and you're close to him, 
Um, and so you've, you've got the sort of the benefit of, uh, of that insight. And maybe I'm, I'm a little bit naive on them just cause I'm watching highlight film, but I love Ryan Holinsky on film. Uh, I, I think he's, you know, sounds like he had a great weekend at the elite 11, um, for the, the casual listener here. That's the brother of, um, the, the, the kid that committed suicide at Washington state. And yeah, so he's Tyler. had, he's had some, yes, yes. So he's had some tough a little bit of a tough year, but, but man, he's, he's, he's looks like he's been really impressive and he's going all the way across the country to South Carolina, um, to play, to play football. So give me your, because I know you know him well, g- give me your impression of, of, of Helensky and, and what he looked like over the weekend and what, what, he, what South Carolina may be getting there. Yeah. I mean, so he's made a huge jump. I mean, I, I like, I've known the kid forever. I actually covered his oldest, oldest brother, not just Tyler, but he had a brother named Kelly who kind of came through the pike a few years before Tyler even yeah. did. So I've seen Ryan since he was like this little, you know, kind of chunky little fifth, sixth grader. And uh, I mean, he, he was always good, but I think he made a big jump going into his junior season. And they play in the toughest league in the country, arguably the Trinity League, which is, you know, modern day, okay, John Bosco and, you know, Jay Sarah, all these teams are usually ranked nationally. And um, he performed beyond my expectations you know again talk about the game just kind of slowing down and anything about quarterback it's confidence is huge you can't play with it uh can't play without it excuse me and he you can just tell he's a confident quarterback he's made another big jump since that offseason i've seen him at uh, several events and again he's physically he 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 actually kind of put on a little bit of weight we kind of joked with him a little bit at the event he looks like he's kind of put on about five or six pounds since the last time i saw him i was asking what he was doing and um so, but just the way the ball comes out of his hand, um, decision making. He, he always, always had all those physical tools. He's extremely accurate. He's extremely smart, confident. Probably the most likable kid. They asked each quarterback, "Hey, who's the one guy you'd want to start a team with? You can't pick yourself." And Ryan was the overwhelming favorite. I think part of that was just because his personality. He's such a likable kid, and I, I think a big reason why he chose South Carolina, to be honest. Um, I think the family thought it'd be good to get away from home, to kind of leave the West Coast. You kind of mentioned, you know, his older brother Tyler, who who did commit suicide in the offseason. He played at Washington State, was slated to be the starter there. I I don't think they liked the idea of maybe going to some of these same stadiums that that Tyler played in. And South Carolina did a phenomenal job recruiting him. You know, Coach Muschamp was extremely involved. You have a head coach that's kind of hands on with your recruitment. It always makes a big impact. He loves the offense, loves the depth chart. And it kind of just fell in love with SEC football. And it pains me to say as a West Coast guy, but we just don't have that passion for football out here. Uh, probably Oregon's the closest thing, but you go out to the, you know, to see these, these big stadiums and how passionate the fan bases are. I think that really wowed Ryan. So I think it's a great fit. I know he's pumped and uh, offers are still pouring in, but I think it would take a whole lot uh, for him to kind of flip. I, I think he's really locked in with South Carolina right now. Who's, the, who's got the better quarterback situation long-term Alabama or Auburn? Because Alabama had two quarterbacks there, Talia Tugavailoa and Paul Tyson. Um, Auburn had Bo Nix there, who was son of Patrick Nix. You know, Auburn's got Jarrett Stidham, and and you know, and and then Alabama's got Jalen Hurts and Tua. If you're based on in large part on what's coming down the pipe, who who would you feel better about if you were a fan of Alabama or Auburn? Yeah, it's a tough question. Um, I, I kind of lean a little bit towards Auburn just because, I mean, I, obviously I think Stidham's going to be gone in a year probably. And right. then you got to assume Tua 
if he wins the job, you, you assume Jalen is, is going to probably transfer out of there. And it's kind of funny. They, they were both out here this weekend. That was, you don't really see that. Like I've never seen two counselors from the same school right. uh, come out to the Lady Level event. I, I really like Bo Nix, especially at the college level. Um, I think he's another guy he kind of talked about the game. Just kind of looks slow for him. You know, really, really quick decision-making. He's one of those guys on the Sunday, seven on seven day. And he had no issues at all making the correct reads. If his first guy, second guy was covered, boom, check down. Um, I think physically his body looked really good. I saw him at the Under Armour Future 50 event back when I was out there for the Under Armour, Under Armour game last year. I feel like he's filled out even a little bit more. I think he's got a little more juice on his ball than I than I kind of anticipated. I, I just like I like him. I think he's good. Now, saying all that, I was extremely impressed with Tawalia Tango Bailoa. I saw him a year ago, and, and honestly, I didn't think he was an Alabama-level recruit. I thought he was kind of just a guy. And then I saw him a couple of weeks ago at Steve Clarkson's quarterback retreat out here, and I was like, dude, this guy can really rip it. And then this past weekend for three days, he probably had a top two or three arm. And I know football is about a lot more than just a, a big arm, but no one could spin it or rip it through some tight windows like Tawalia. Maybe, maybe how, but tell you what, man, Tawalia has made a huge jump again for me. He was extremely productive this past season, but just kind of seeing him physically, he's kind of leaned out. He was a little bit on the, I'm trying to be polite here, maybe a little bit on the chunkier side a year, two years ago. Now he's kind of leaned out. His body looks a lot better. So uh, I was really impressed with him, but I think right now going into college, I give a little bit of an edge to Bo in terms of just he's, he's a lot has that little more of a natural feel for the quarterback position, I think, than the two Alabama kids. What about for Tagovailoa and for most? And you mentioned uh, with Helensky, you felt like it was offers are still rolling in, but it felt like it was pretty solid. Most of these players, uh, if not all of them, most of them at least have, are committed to a program and a program that is among the top in college football. How firm do these commitments feel, uh, particularly with this class, with a lot of these guys? You know, they always feel feel firm at this time and then you know a week later you could you just something could happen it was funny i know like i did interview justin field at this event and he was talking about how solid he was and how great penn state was and then like think like a couple of days or a week later he's he, he decides to decommit and open up his recruitment so i think people might have already saw that coming i don't, didn't have that relationship with justin so i didn't know that maybe that was already already going on in the background but i don't get the sense from the guys i talked to i didn't talk to every committed kid um, but Sam Howell seems like he's extremely locked in with Florida State. He had a pretty solid week. I think both Alabama guys are locked in. I know Bo is extremely locked in. Dylan Morris had a good week. I think he's locked in with Washington. So I, off the top of my head, I think all the committed guys look like they're look like they're pretty solid. You know, there's only I think five non-committed quarterbacks out there this weekend, and I think those are the ones, you know, that kind of have a little bit more of the you know a little more of the action. I think the guy who people talked about maybe going in was Graham Mertz. Uh, Wisconsin, yeah. when he committed to Wisconsin, he had, I think, two offers, he told me. Since then, I mean, he's named a school, and they came hard for him. He, he told me the two schools making the biggest push right now are Ohio State and Notre Dame. And I, I kind of got a weird vibe from him, I'll, to, be, to be honest with you. I, I said, hey, you locked in with Wisconsin? He said, yeah. I said, well, you think it might take some trips still? And he kind of paused and said, I don't know, maybe. And then I jokingly said, I go, you probably wouldn't want to say that publicly anyway, right? He goes, yeah, exactly. So I don't know how to take that. I think Wisconsin is in a good spot. I think he's, uh, I, I think he loves that they were, you know, kind of in there first and he's got a great relationship with them and he's open and he goes, Hey, I've talked every offer that I get, they know about it. We have an open relationship with them. 
but he didn't really come out and say, I'm definitely not taking visits. He kind of left that a little bit out there. So I know yeah. he's taking his visit to Wisconsin this weekend. So we'll see. Like I said, Ohio I, State I, and Notre Dame are a couple big-time programs, so we'll, we'll see what happens there. I think the thing with that one is, and this is probably kind of behind it, I, I think if he takes a visit anywhere else, he's, he's gone. Like if he takes I, a visit to Notre Dame, it'll he'll end up in Notre Dame or or he'll end up decommitted or whatever. But you know, I mean, yeah, like he's gotten the Clemson offer, the Ohio State offer, the Notre Dame offer, and they're coming hard after him. And um, so yeah, I think that's I think that's where that's at. Barton, um, did you know that Blue Valley North is where Clayton Custer and Ben Richardson, the leaders of Loyola's basketball team, played, won four state titles? Oh, is that right? Yeah. Shout uh, out to Blue nice. Valley North. Nice. I wonder if Graham. I did not. I did not know that. That's some new info for me. Uh, all right. There was a couple of um, you know the Elite Eleven is great for the for, for throwing the ball around, but like it's uh it doesn't favor the the dual threat guy. I'm just look so like Isaiah Williams, who's committed to Illinois, uh, is a, is a legitimate like dual threat guy. He's probably five ten at best. Uh, there was who else? There was Michael Johnson Jr. Um, who's out of Oregon, uncommitted, big athletic. Roshan Johnson, the Texas commit. Um, he's who's rushed for 2,000 yards last year. Max Dugan, the TCU commit, who may be the most athletic of, of any of them. Among those guys who are sort of your, quote, dual threat quarterbacks, uh, who, who, sh- who should feel really good about the, the guy they're getting? Oh, man, if I'm TCU, I'm jacked to get Max yeah. Dugan. He was probably one of my three or four favorite guys out there. I love everything about him. And I mean that in the most masculine way possible, of course. <laughs> he's, he is a dude. I mean, he just has – I mean, I love the frame. He's got a really – he's got kind of a – I kept using this term. He's got kind of a basketball body. I mean, that he's kind of just loose and fluid in his movement. Nothing stiff about him from his drops to his rollouts. Guy's got a, an absolute whip for an arm. He was accurate. He was smart. He was – Make, makes every throw. He, he understands. You don't always have to throw the ball 100 miles an hour. You always kind of see that first day. These guys kind of always want to compare, and, and in their eyes, it's whoever has the biggest arm is the best guy. So you see that that first day, they're all just trying to throw the ball 100 miles an hour by day two or three. They got, they got nothing left. Max, man, he was going strong that third day. He was still, you know, really ripping it in there. So if I'm TCU, I'm doing cartwheels. I think he is a – I think he's a top four, top five quarterback, and that might even be uh, not generous enough. Yeah, he's talented. I agree, and he's a, he's kind of a freak athlete, multi-sport guy out of Iowa. Tough kid. Coach's dad or coach's son. I'm with you. I think TCU's getting a really good one there. Um, yeah, Jaden Jaden Daniels, Barton, another, another guy we talked about, you know, a couple of days ago. Um, you know, he's a dual threat kid. He, I think he ru- you know rushed for a ton of yards, but I, I think he's actually more comfortable in the, in the pocket. He's he's one of the guys I expected to have a pretty good week because again. I know not everyone does it, but he plays a ton of seven-on-seven seven out here. So I thought <clears throat> this is kind of this event is kind of geared for those guys. You know, there's a, one day is just nothing but seven-on-seven. Seven. So I thought he would have a pretty strong week. He kind of struggled early on, um, but then I think he rallied. You know, it, it's again I, I mentioned with, with Helensky, confidence is everything. You know, I don't know if you guys know Barton probably does, but they actually rank these guys one through twenty-four coming in. So if you you come into the event and they pick 12, if you're 18, 19, you got to you got to leap like a bunch of people just to get in there. And and I asked like, why do you do that? Why don't you just have a level playing? I get doing you know the ranking system to to pick your 24, but once you get here, why don't you just have a level playing field for everybody? 
and, and his response, you know, Brian Stump, who runs the event, was, you know, we don't want to have just one or two days define, you know, this, you know, who makes it. We want it to be your, your body of work. And Rashawn Johnson was rated extremely high coming in. Great film. Uh, I heard he had a really good workout in Texas, but with, you just saw, I, I literally just saw his confidence kind of diminished every single day. And then kids come in and they're used to being the guy, used to being the man where they're from. And when they come to this event, they see 24 or 23 other guys and maybe see seven or eight who can throw it a lot better than they can. Dude, all of a sudden, uh, you kind of lose your decisiveness as a thrower. Your spiral starts to flutter. You kind of start looking more like, you know, Greg Viggins. I wouldn't recruit me. You, you know, your ball <laughs> just doesn't have any zip on it. And again, just that decisiveness is gone. And that was Rashawn. You know, he came in and he was rated high. I think even after the first day or two, because he started off so high, I think he was still in the, in the top 11. Then he had a, you know, struggled again on that last seven on seven day with, with just being indecisive, not knowing where to go with the football. And he kind of lost his spiral right away. So confidence at this event, it, it, I think is big. And you saw that with a handful of guys, you just kind of, they started off strong. And after a while, they kind of look around and say, you know what, I'm, I'm not as good as some of these guys. You can just kind of almost see it in their face. It definitely changes how they throw the football. Do you think that that's something that'll can like, does the, you know, see, seeing them fall off, seeing the confidence get shaken or dropped, does does that end at the cut from twenty four uh, to eleven? Like, are the guys that have advanced onto the finals? Do you not have that kind of concern? You know, you, I, I think I do have that concern at the actual opening finals. We, you know, we, me and Bart, have we've seen it every year where, where guys go there, and then you know, that's all obviously all seven on seven there. You know, guys struggle. I mean, shoot, Trevor Lawrence is a historical generational talent and he didn't have you know a great week and I, I still am a huge fan of his I think the guy's a you know a, a top five pick whenever he wants to come out but we saw him where you know he didn't have anywhere near the same week not just a field but he didn't have as strong a week as four or five other guys probably and I don't think of this way a confidence thing there's, there's so many little factors when it comes to succeeding at the actual opening finals it's you know your, your wide receiver talent your offense how good your defense is I was going to bat for Trevor last year saying, hey, you know, it's kind of hard to throw on, on third and 20 as opposed to fields on it's always second and five or first and 10. He had guys with wide open windows. But, no, you, you definitely see guys struggle even at the finals and then confidence starts to dip a little bit. And then all of a sudden that last championship Sunday, it's, you go with one guy. And if you're the guy who's kind of, you know, you came out there with all these high expectations and you're sitting the bench and not throwing at all, it kind of bums you out a little bit. All right, last one from me. Uh, you come into the event, and I know you're 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 out there on the West Coast, and and you haven't seen. Sometimes these guys are the first first times you've seen them. Um, but you certainly follow recruiting nationally, and you had a a good sense of who everyone was coming in. Who who was the guy at this event that maybe wasn't on your radar as one of the top quarterbacks there? You you know who caught you off guard with how good he was, or how much better he was than what you expected. I mean, I, I, we've already talked about and, and you can, he was you the can guy double down if you want out. to. So yeah. I don't want to. Yeah, I mean, look, let's talk about someone else. Um, uh, it's kind of embarrassing to say as a West Coast guy, I hadn't seen a lot of Spencer Rattler because he doesn't do a lot of seven on seven. I didn't get to Arizona to see him play last year, but I, I think he kind of exceeded my expectations for him. Um, I would say. You know, I would say kind of a sleeper guy who's not committed, who kind of opened my eyes, was the was the kid from uh, from Westport, Brian Maurer, which yeah. I don't even know if I'm saying his name. I think I said his name about 80 different times all weekend. Is it Maurer? Maurer? But 
other than Duke, and he was a guy who I had never seen. I didn't, I didn't watch his tape coming in. I don't think he was really rated high in their one through 24. I know he was definitely outside the 12 going in, but he was, he was impressive every single day. And in a seven on seven, you know, that's when he really locked his spot in t- to get to Dallas. He was, uh, I mean, he's a you know, big, strong, 6'3", six, 6'4", six, kid, kind of lean frame, but plenty of room to fill out. Threw it consistently, uh, was really smart with the football. I loved the energy he played with. He was a guy who threw a touchdown. He sprinted on the field and chest bump his receiver. I mean, he, was, he had all that working for him. And you talk about guys who kind of lose confidence. You just saw his confidence gain every single day. Uh, you know, got a great off-the-field story that he told about, you know, he kind of didn't have either parent growing up. And so he's an easy kid to root for. And uh, I, was, I thought he had a really good week. I'm, I was excited for him as well. All right, Greg. So there, there's the guy. There's the guy. If the coach is looking for the quarterback still out there, and there's a bunch of them. Brian Maurer. The guy, Brian Maurer. Maurer. I'm watching him very closely. I'm, I'm trying to get him to my camp, and I'm, I'm definitely watching him. Hey, you know, real quick, I know you said the last one, Barton, but the, the guy that has me curious, and, I, I, you know, we talked about him before, was, you know, Zach Calzada. Yeah. He got George. I know he got, he got, he got George. George yeah, I know, I know. I was talking with me and Kip or actually DMing, and he just goes, hey, he just got it because there's another quarterback out here that was tripping to, to Georgia, Joey Yellen. Just the, the first Friday workout on air, I'll tell you what, he was my number one, number two guy. You know, he had some special qualities. Again, it, I think it's, it's a gift from God when the ball comes out of your hand. I've had multiple coaches tell me, if you can't spin the football in high school, you can't spin in college, you can't spin in the NFL. Just the way your, your body mechanics work, the way God designed your arm or your elbow, or your wrist, the ball comes out of your hand, and that's, just, that's how it's going to be. The way the ball leaves his hand and the way he spins it and the juice he gets on that ball is – like it's exceptional. Now there's something going on. Obviously the high school stats don't really support um, him being a top 10 quarterback nationally. And we talked a lot about that. And I know you're a big analytics guy, Barton. And I'm, I'm trying to become that way too. Cause I a hundred percent believe in them. I'm fascinated to see how this guy does as a senior. He killed it on that Friday workout and struggled on that Sunday seven-on-seven seven day when you had an actual defense with knowing where to go with the ball being decisive with it. I don't know if it's just he hasn't been, you know, coached. I don't know if it's maybe he's a late bloomer. I don't know if maybe he just struggles to process things quickly when a quarterback needs to. But from a pure physical standpoint, talk about a non-committed quarterback. Man, that guy has some special qualities that you just don't see very often. So he's another kid I would watch extremely closely and hopefully – Maybe last year's stats were a little bit of an aberration, and he'll go and have a huge senior year because he's got some he's got some physical gifts for sure. Well, and you know what's unique about him as well, and this is a kid that again, I mean, he just sort of blew up with offers um, here the last month or so. But he uh, he grew like five and a half inches over the last year and a half. I heard so that. I heard that. He's he has developed at sort of a different pace. And might be a, a a little bit of a diamond in the rough, but um, that's uh, that's why those college coaches make the big bucks. They gotta they gotta figure out whether they believe the stats or whether they believe the the uh, the arm talent. Yeah, yeah. Everyone thinks they could probably develop a kid, so you almost like you want to take a chance on a guy who throws it that way, and think, well, you know, with me coaching him up, he, he can do some things. So he's definitely getting those offers right now at a national level. So I'm I'm, I'm fascinated to follow his career over the next three or four years. What was uh what was that kid's name? It was not somebody who made the finals, right? 
was, he, he yes. did not make the 12. No, he was kind of low going in, again, just because his tape was, you know, I think it was, what, a 51% thrower, and I think it's an elite high school kid. You've got to be 65 to 70. So he was outside the, the top 15, 16 coming in. So he really needed to, needed to wow it and blow everyone away. And he did that first day, but then he kind of took a, a little bit of a step down the last two workouts. So he did not quite make the 12. But, no, Zach Calzada. hope I'm saying his name right. Zach physical, physical tools are definitely there. All right, we will. Uh, well, and he'd be he'd be a nice guy to go and sort of let red shirt, let Justin Fields and Jake Fromm do a little work a couple of years in front of him, and then you know he he could probably use some seasoning. So that that may work out for Georgia. God, Georgia, the home of the quarterbacks, just like <laughs> we would have always expected. Uh, he is Greg Biggins. You can follow him on Twitter at Greg Biggins. Greg, thank you so much for your insight. We appreciate it. We'll do it again. That was good. Thanks, fellas. Thanks, Justin.